You're listening to part two of a two-part show. To hear part one, please go to generationswap.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Here at Generation Swap, we recently paired students at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan with mentors from the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, also called Ali, next door to the college, where people 50 and over take classes. There are over 100 Ali programs across the U.S. And while many of us tend to think that mentoring is mostly for the younger person, we found that mentors also gain valuable insights. I do believe there is a two-way exchange of values and information for both of us that we can apply to our life as we, we know it now. At the end of the semester, each student mentor pair did an interview where they talked about risk-taking, personal growth, hopes, fears, and more. Instead of recording these conversations face-to-face -face, as we had planned, we had to finish the semester from home during COVID-19. As you'll hear, the sound quality isn't always ideal, but the conversations are thought-provoking and deeply personal. Thank you for joining us for a very special podcast. When you were growing up, were you encouraged to think deeply about your talents and interests and what you wanted to do with your life? Growing up, I guess I had a lot of love. I had three older sisters, way older, seven, uh, 11, and 14 years older than me. So I had a big, big a dose of love and, and positive self-esteem. And uh, when I was going to school, I like my dad was never around tools. I went to a Catholic school, never uh, uh, was exposed to shop classes or anything like that. And I met a guy uh, at Ferguson Drosty Ferguson Hospital, Kevin O'Neill, who said, let's paint houses this summer. And I said, Kevin, we don't know about that. And he said, we'll learn. He was always, that was his way of doing things. We'll learn. I was always step, step back. I like something like that. He would say, you know, if somebody else can do this, we can do it too. And so he was a huge mentor in my life and propelled me to take, not only expose the tools, but to take risks. It's okay to do that. I grew up in an atmosphere that risk taking was not encouraged. And so that's, yeah, that, that, was, that was my biggest mentor. I've applied to a few, some places. I've had had some interviews that that went well, and I've actually I've had a couple job offers, but I, I've turned them down because I I don't know they just didn't seem right for me. Uh, you know, I thought they were good, and then uh, as I like did more research into it and and read more things about about this certain company, I I realized I didn't. It wasn't something that I wanted to get into. Like it was. The, for example, one of them was a, a financial advising position where I'd have to get all the um, training and stuff and, and the certifications. But then it was also I'd have to be getting all my own clients. And, you know, it sounded cool at first. But once I once I thought about it and talked to one of my friends who uh, actually almost had a job like that. And he said, you know, think about it. I'm a 22 year old kid. You know, who's it's going to be tough to get people to listen to me on financial advice and like get clients. And it, it kind of made me take a step back and realize, you know, this, maybe I can do this later down the road, but I'm not really, it's not even something I really want to do. It was just kind of like the first opportunity that was put on my, on my plate. So I wanted to accept it obviously, but um, you know, I, I'm holding out for something better, I guess. I think my parents have been, or they have allowed me to be kind of like an absolute free thinker when it comes to that. They kind of let me choose, um, which kind of has become reassuring to myself of like ending up in business and wanting to do the exact same thing of like going into sales. Like, so it kind of makes me feel like, okay, like this is what I want to do since I was the one who was able to choose it.
when I was in high school, I wanted to be a youth minister up until probably my senior year of high school. And then, you know, everything kind of switched and I got like scholarships to art school and things like that. And then, so I was thinking about going into that. And then I was like, no, I want to make money. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. You know, I can always do that for fun. Cause you know, I was a senior in high school, like what's going to drive you money. Um, and then, so I actually came into college in chemistry and then, so that was a big switch. And then I said, you know, looking back at it, I took this dual enrollment business class my senior year of high school, realized how much I really liked it. And I was like, I'm going to go into that, like, just because it's, it's so versatile and it can, you can do anything you want with it. And the kind of possibilities are endless. So that's kind of why I decided to switch into that. And then, you know, every year of college, I kind of got like, more and more focused in what I wanted to do and then ended up kind of this year kind of deciding like sales are and outside sales like you know I get to you know go places and talk and I don't have to necessarily sit at a desk if I don't want to like you know the opportunity is kind of all there and that's kind of why that ended up the way it did. Um, when I was growing up there weren't a whole lot of choices for women um, it was basically you could be a teacher, you could be a nurse, or you could be a secretary, or you could get married and have children, um, or you could do a combination of all of those. Um, and um, it, it, you know, uh, the the encouragement wasn't talked about as far as where my talents, you know, were, and how to expand on those. It was basically follow those threads of what women can do and what is accepted in society. I did go attend college and then I did get married and have children. So yes. I, I didn't have any help uh, to get any advice. You know, I was part of the baby boomers and my high school class had 500 in it with one counselor. Uh, <laughs> they were lucky to tell you what class to take next year, not to give you career help. So um, when I was in my 30s I've, and my children were getting in grade school, I decided to go back to work. And that through Women's Resource Center, they did aptitude tests and interests and talent kind of tests and kind of steered me uh, to get into teaching. Uh, and actually, my stepmother was the one who told me I was so bookish, I really should be a teacher. <laughs> that was about the most help I had. <laughs> I'm very much like a free spirit-ish, because my mom has never made me do stuff that I never really wanted to do. And so probably the, the thing that's probably been the most with that is stories, because my mom is also a bookworm. And so I have grown up with stories. And for all, all I really know for a career is that I want to be involved in stories in some way, whether that may be eventually writing them or becoming like an editor to help stories come to life. When I was uh, probably in high school, my, uh, my uncle, who was a pilot in the uh, Second World War, gave me an airplane ride. And that was a um, mentoring phase, too, that we didn't realize, but just being ex being exposed to something was very interesting and and uh, and during that uh, uh nurturing period of growing up then in through high school uh that 
became very important. And uh, that airplane ride just kind of uh, projected me into a, to something that I wanted for more freedom. And so uh, that, that was a big thing. So when I studied abroad, I was 16 and my mom got a lot of backlash from other parents about how you don't love your kids. Like, how could you let them go away? And she was like, it was really hard for her to let us go. But she knew that like by letting go, she was giving us more opportunities, which she did for sure. But just like them always being there to kind of like guide me, but also like let me be my own way. I think that that's, that's great. And that, that really takes courage to let your daughter go, you know, to Brazil um, at 16. Um, and I think my mother was a little more cautious. <laughs> um, she, you know, my parents are very uh, supportive, uh, a lot of positive reinforcement. My dad to this day is wonderful with positive reinforcement. You're such a good driver, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> and I think that that's really good. Um, I remember my mother saying, um, now think about the time, this is like, you know, the 60s, early 70s. <laughs> Two good careers for a woman are teaching and, and nursing. And so I thought, okay, I don't want to be a nurse, I'll be a teacher. I mean, this is this is the way I thought. And I have a brother and sister that are 10 years younger and they're twins. Um, and mom, my, sis, my uh, sister, and she's an industrial engineer, you know, so um, the times had changed. Uh, but then again, I, I enjoyed teaching and I did try other things, you know, the banking and the MBA and all that and uh, the commodities. Um, and so, it, you know, it wasn't like I always stuck to stuck to one thing, but um, I think my parents are really supportive just in a more reserved way <laughs> than Macy's. Yeah, definitely. Well, mine's more of like a modern time because yeah. Yeah. Even for me, my sister, who's older than me, she studied abroad and it was really taboo. Like she was the first one in our high school of like 1600 kids to go for like the last, I don't know, 10 years. And people didn't even know you could from the U.S. go. And my parents had like four countries that she could say she could go to. So you basically fill out a list of all the countries that you feel comfortable going to. And she had like Spain, France, um, and like those kind of in Germany, like those types of countries that are super established, like very European. And for me, when I went, cause she had such a, like such a successful experience. I was like, yeah, my parents told my sister, no Asia, no South America, no East, like none, no Eastern Europe, none of it. And for me, they kind of opened, you know, they like, she pushed the envelope and then I got to kind of open the envelope and have way more options. I um, had the opportunity when I was very young uh, to live in Long Island, Babylon, uh, Long Island, and next door to my great aunt and uncle, um, great grandmother, you know, so I really had this extended family, um, which I think was very um, instrumental in kind of shaping, you know, the person that I am today. And my cousin, I guess technically second cousin, because it's uh, my mother's 
uh, first cousin, you know, Carolyn, she really is somebody, I mean, even to today, probably talk to her once a, once a week and has been uh, a mentor probably both to me and to my sister. Uh, you know, she lives in Manhattan. I used to always joke with her that I wanted to uh, take over her apartment when uh, she was done with it because she lives in Stuyvesantown. And I always, that was my dream at one point in my life was to uh, live downtown Manhattan. And, um, and more, but more than that, you know, she always encouraged me to think beyond, you know, back in the, the 70s when I was a, a little kid, um, like, you know, baby because I was just born and a toddler but you know but when I was the 70s and 80s that was a time where uh women were defined by just certain jobs and certain roles and it was just on the cusp of um the ERA uh equal opportunity and she would always say um you know you can do whatever you um, set your mind to as long as you work hard. And of course, we all know that isn't necessarily true. Like I never would have ever been a uh, chemical engineer, right? I never would have been a brain surgeon. Um, not because, just because I don't have those aptitudes, right? I never would have been a professional basketball player. I can't jump that high. Um, but, you know, her point was, uh, don't limit yourself to sort of the constructs of the times and think about where your gifts and talents lie and um... name a value or guiding principle that you live according to and tell a story that explains why that value is meaningful to you i think one of the values that um i developed a across my lifetime is being a good listener and that certainly has played a role in all of my career, whether it was when I was doing volunteer management or if I was managing the guest services at the zoo. Um, just being able to listen to see where people are in their life and be able to um, give them advice from there um, has been very important to me, but also with my friends and family. Um, and adaptation, I think, is also a, a key for me to be able to adapt to all of the changes that come about and some that you want and some that you don't necessarily want, um, but you need to adapt and change and um, accept them gracefully. Um, one um, guiding principle that I would really um, say that I lead by is vulnerability because being vulnerable in everything that I that I do, um, allowing myself to be true um, and allowing myself to take that risk and, you know, and allow to just open up to, you know, being able to open up to anyone in any situation. And um, I think that really helped me out um, in everything that I've done in, in my college career, in my life, in my work, um, meeting new people. Um, it's just, it's just something that really inspires myself to be more of like a better person. And it allows people to be comfortable around me as well. And with that saying, um, that, that value, that guiding principle allows people to really communicate and just help, like want to help me and vice versa. The moral compass in my life is always just to uh, be the responsible one in the group. 
that's that's always been my 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 dad role modeled that for me when I was younger, and I with you know, gosh, I had a paper out for six years. I had to get up every day and uh, do that, and just that's always just carried over in my teaching career. You know, you're the responsible one. I used to lead uh, trips to the Boundary Waters in Minnesota, canoe wilderness trips for ten years, and then all of a sudden, in addition to the adventure you got the safety issues and i'm the guy who was responsible for these other eight people in my group and so i, I just i fed into it i for some people get stressed out over it i said this is just the role i've been training for my whole life and i feel good about keeping uh, people protected so name a value or guiding principle and my, my very succinct answer there would be the marine corps uh you you, you you've got to be true to yourself, you have to respect and, and help all the troops that were under your command. And it, 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 I can't say, and the other real big thing in the Marine Corps was the fact that you never quit. You just, you never quit. You just kept going, you kept going, kept going. Uh, you you know, grouse all the way, but you you kept going. But I re remember reading in one of the letters I sent my folks uh, when I was going through uh, officer candidate school that we had a force march. I think it was six or seven miles with backpacks. You know, you got forty pounds on your back, and we we I, I think about 20 or 25 percent of the guys dropped out they couldn't hack it and i, I wasn't going to let that happen so I, it's things like that it, it, it it's it's like a building block it, it's not all of a sudden boom there everything's in order but uh the, the biggest growth factor i had was was the marine corps no question about it. I, I bitched and moaned and complained for two years, eight months, and five days. But in retrospect, it was the best thing I did. Um, I would kind of say loyalty, um, especially just to family and close friends, just because, you know, they've all done so much to kind of help me through childhood and kind of grow up into, you know, an adult almost, we'll say. Um, and then you know, so kind of I feel like my job is to kind of do the same for them and kind of give back no matter what it is, not necessarily like helping them grow up. Because, you know, a lot of these people have literally helped define me as a person. So my job is to be as loyal as I can to those people who have been there for so many years just to kind of help give back in any way that I can. I really have valued hard work, maybe too much. <laughs> it's good to have a balance in your life, but... Um... My father worked really hard and my mom worked really hard and that was just kind of a, a thing that was planted in me that if you're going to be uh, successful and use your abilities, you got to follow through on things. And uh, um, I have, uh, you know, I was kind of driven. I had two, two majors in college, a teaching certificate, and it was like I had to go and accomplish all these things. Yeah, and I think that's important, but you also need the time with people, too, yeah. And uh, my dad worked for Westinghouse, and he would fly out on Sunday and fly back on Friday from traveling all over the world. So, um, you know, he was very committed to being successful in his career. At the very end of his career, he did write me a letter and say how much he regretted 
you know, he was moved a lot and moved us around a lot and how he regretted not being more involved with uh, people, not having roots. So, um, you know, that kind of stuck with me too, that I'm good. I, I cling close to my friends, that they're, they're an important part of my life, you know. I would say guiding principle for me would be honesty. A specific instance was uh, when I was sneaking out in high school to go up to a bonfire with all my friends. And instead of like, uh, I knew my parents would be mad because this was like the first time like they caught me doing like anything bad. And like, instead of trying to like lie and come up with a spot of where I was going and what I was going to do, I told them like truthfully what I was going to go do. And then I ended up not getting in any trouble or not like not any trouble. They were still like a lot less trouble than what would have happened if I would have lied and come up with some fabricated story. I think the one guiding principle that I've come up with you know, through my whole life, and it's good now, just now becoming uh, aware of it, is my, uh, an increase in compassion. And I just, I just see so many things going on around the world that, uh, that is, is just very difficult for me to handle from a standpoint of justice and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, as a white person, you're privileged. And uh, I'm, I'm finding that a statement like I can only imagine what you're going through it doesn't hold much water when you're privileged and you you think of it through privilege and so I, I I've come up with this value of of uh, feeling of compassion that I'm really really uh, important it's important to me particularly the area for example uh, children at the border or you know those kinds of issues are just uh, it's it's compassion is really uh, part of my life now so for me, it would be open-mindedness just because, you know, always say yes, always go to your experiences and just like, just keep jumping into risks, which I mean, to a point, like to like, you know, know when it's a good risk, know when it's a bad risk, but just not being afraid. Is there something you've learned about life that you wish you'd known when you were 20? One of the things that I, I wish I would have known and and I think nowadays you have a lot more tools that you could um, utilize easily than I did. I mean, is the importance in, of maintaining building networks, right? So you meet a lot of people along the way. And nowadays there are ways that you could link in with them. You don't have to lose a business card. When I was growing up, um, you know, there wasn't that sort of technology, right? There wasn't a phone that you could put someone's contact information in. Uh, you had business cards and then what you did with those business cards after a while, who knows? And I, I think, um, you know, for me is ha maintaining and building and those relationships because it's not a transactional thing. I'm sure, Nick, you've learned this with uh, the work that you did at the insurance or just in life. It's not relationships, networking are not transactional. They are um, give and take. So, you know, you can't contact somebody that you've lost contact with and just be like, hey, I need something from you, right? You need to have been there for them along the way and sort of at least in a little bit, like whether it's just even checking in and saying, you know, how are you doing? You know, how are things going? You know, now um, I, I have a pretty extensive Christmas card list. Uh, I, we send a lot of Christmas cards, actual legit Christmas cards, um, in the mail. I think we 
spend 250 uh, every every year. I know that sounds crazy, but I'd rather send my Christmas cards than even put up a tree because um, to me, that is an opportunity, if not um, any other time of the year, that I connect with college friends that we haven't connected with for a while or family that um, is, you know, second cousins, distant family that we don't talk to all the time or just uh, those are just kind of the things that I say um, are important uh, to me. So that's something I learned along the way. If you if you do your preparation, do your homework and get ready to go, uh, your success rate is going to be a lot better. I think that someone said that uh, luck happens when when preparation meets opportunity. And I found that true in everything I've done, especially especially in the practice of law. You're you're dealing with a lot of bright people in the room, and so if you're if you're going to get ahead of people, you better be better prepared, and you better stick to it and know what you're doing, know what know what the facts are, be prepared to to, to apply the law to the facts, and be able to argue your, argue your position. So, I I think that persistence and pers are pretty, pretty important to, to being successful. What is it that I, I didn't understand then that has become pretty important to me? And that is the value of family. When I was 20 years old, I was kind of focused on me. I was probably pretty self-centered. Don't talk to my friends about that. But, uh, and I was concerned about you know, my, what was my career going to be, how I, how I was doing, where, where I was going. And I didn't, I didn't focus on the fact that when you, when you get out into a career, then if once you have a family, you need to try to balance the demands of your demands and challenges of your career with the, the, the demands, challenges and joys of having a family. I had no idea how much fun it would be to have children or to see them grow up and be able to participate in what they were doing, go to my daughter's plays when she was in the plays or my son's tennis matches or the other things they were doing. Um, I had no idea when I was 20 years old that I'd, I'd find that as rewarding as I had. But I've realized, you know, when you meet somebody and work with somebody, you start judging them a certain way without knowing their story, their backstory, and all the events that took them to this point in life. And I've come to realize everybody has a story. And, and until we take the time to hear this story from people we can't truly understand where they're coming from. And so then we end up judging them and we'll almost always judge them wrong because there's, you know, it's, you think somebody is being a jerk and there's, they're not being a jerk. It's a reaction to something that happened years ago. So that, that's the biggest advice I would have. I wish I had known back then. Looking back, I, I, I should have put more effort into formal education. Uh, my wife claims that I, I take a lot of classes over at Ollie and she said, I've gone to more school there and learned more in a couple years there than I did in four years in college and eight years or 12 years in grade school and high school. So I, 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 I was kind of a lazy student back then. Um, and I, I just wish that I had applied myself better. Uh, and I guess I'm making up for it now because 
the beauty of an education that just opens up everything for you. Uh, you know, the world is just different when, when you can understand what's going on in certain areas. And I, I again, I, I just wish I'd applied myself more and uh, put more effort into it, but uh, can't go back, can I? And, and I think some of it is the difference between the way society was when I was growing up and what it is now. But also um, throughout my life, I've realized that we need to promote that old Rosie the Riveter adage of you can do it. Yes, you can. And, you know, don't let roadblocks get in your way. Um, find a way to get around them if there's something that you really want to do. And I admire Soila for going back to school with three young children, balancing a job. It has to be incredibly um, creative to split her time like that. So I think she has learned that at a much younger age than I have. So um, I think that's that's my comment on <laughs> um, wanting to learn something or pass something on. I think the, there is definitely a gender gap um, with, with income disparity um, and things like that. And I, think, I think women just have a little bit harder time trying to get to their goals. So that's definitely something we need to pay attention to. And as women try to change for those of, that are following in our footsteps. I used to think that people were all one way, you know, either really, you know, just completely bad or completely good. And, and nobody is one way. And the more you learn about people, you realize, well, they really have these good qualities I didn't even know about before. So I, and also to, I guess to try, stop being so judgmental about people because <laughs> you're thinking, I'm thinking about this in the back of my mind all the time, you know, and to be more accepting and to try to realize what other people are going through. There was a phrase that I heard once that said, you know, the key to success is not dodging every bullet, but being able to recover quickly. And I, I do think that it is about kind of your grit and your perseverance and your adaptability and you're seeing this now with um, the pandemic and COVID-19 and, and those individuals that are kind of pivoting and, and saying, okay, this is happening. Um, this isn't going away. What can I do? How can I keep moving forward? What are you most concerned about and most hopeful about as you think about the future? Like what's, what will happen with my future? Will I be successful? Um, I'd like to hope, I'd like to hope that I'll be successful. I always, I always strive to be better uh, than I already am. Um, and like Larry said earlier, the perseverance, um, I think that's, that's a great thing to apply to life. You learn from your mistakes and um, you, you figure out how to better yourself through your past experiences. My, my fear is that 
my generation has not left future generations in very good shape in terms of the way we're handling our economy and the, and the federal deficit. I, I was just appalled when we did had a, had a full employment economy. We had a trillion dollar deficit last year. I thought that's, that's immoral. It's, it's just unforgivable we're doing that to our grandchildren. And then this year, it's, it's worse. We're going to add to that. So that, that's a big concern is that, that I'm, I'm afraid that we're saddling our next generations with a lot of debt that uh, we never should have done. We should have been more responsible. We should have stepped up and said we're going to pay for this. Uh, so that's, that's my biggest worry. But my, my biggest hope is that I, uh, I, see the, I see the younger generations, the, the young lawyers in our firm that uh, my son works with and I worked with, they're really bright, energetic, active uh, people. And I meet people like James that are stepping into this void right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm very encouraged by what I see. I think we've got a, we've got a wonderful class of, of young people coming up and taking over, going to step into leadership roles and, and start doing things. And, and I hope they'll do things better than we did. Also, I'm concerned about uh, getting still, I mean, I'm getting job offers and everything, but I'm still concerned about finding a job that suits me and, you know, taking it, taking a job on, uh, I'm just kind of worried about what if I get there, you know, what, what if I hate it? What if I'm just absolutely miserable and want to quit or, you know, what if it's not everything it's cracked up to be? And it's kind of just something that's always on, been on my mind. I definitely would say that I'm hopeful just because, you know, it's really just the beginning. Like, you know, I'm about to enter the first year of my life where I haven't had, you know, formal schooling you know, like that I could remember rather, but so like kind of the possibilities are endless. Like, so that's kind of really reassuring. Like I could do anything I really wanted to, you know, whether or not, you know, that's going to work out or whether or not it's going to be worth it. But, you know, the experiences that are to come are going to be so valuable for the rest of my life. So that's something I'm definitely really hopeful for. But, you know, as for kind of things I'm unsure about, you know, like I'm going into a very unstable market at the moment, you know, graduating in hopefully a week um you know so like everything that i just mentioned about being hopeful is kind of up in the air so i mean it's give and take but you know it's going to give me a lot of time to figure out you know what's going to work for me or kind of plan things out um so i, I think that it's definitely going to be a stressful time coming up but i think it's going to be something that i can look back on Kind of as you were saying, Dana, like it's going to be something to look back on and be able to like say like, you know, you worked through this or tell people like, you know, this, 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 you know, so I think it's definitely going to be in the long run, you know, something that's going to be able to help. So the w one regret that I have for my generation of the baby boomers is that we're handing off some real challenges to the next generation. Uh, somehow we've got to wake up and do something about the climate we, we can't just keep doing what we've been doing and i know the national debt is going out of sight right now but uh we, and we have to spend that money now but we've got to do something to corral that and uh, if we can do that life is going to be good um i would say what i'm most concerned about right now is getting through the semester 
Um, and moving on to a career that I can say like, hey, I, I'm, I'm passionate about, I mean, this whole class, um, work, purpose, and leadership, we talked about, you know, finding a job, purposeful job. Um, and so I think um, that has really, really been stuck behind my head. Like, you know, I'm, I'm almost done here and I can't believe it. Like, this is, this is what I never thought I'd be able to do. And now that I'm closer to graduating, it's almost like a concern, like, hey, my identity is, is being a student. My identity is being um, that person that's always busy and, you know, and always has something to do to distract her from anything else. Now, now what? Um, so I'm, I, yeah, being concerned about the next step of my future, the next journey. Um, what I'm most hopeful for is um, just just finding a job that I can be happy and um, make a difference. Um, I know we had talked about with any with any job, you make a difference, regardless whatever the career is, whatever you graduate with, we all make a difference. And so um, I guess that goes hand in hand, the concern and hope of just graduating and being able to help other people. I think the thing that I'm most concerned about right now is the condition of our environment and to um, make sure that it's sustainable for generations to come. And I think the silver lining that I see with this coronavirus is that we're seeing some of our natural habitats come back and be viable again with just this short time that man hasn't been out there polluting. Or for instance, there are dolphins coming back into the canals in Venice and they hadn't been there for years and years because of the boat traffic and the pollution. Um, also in LA, you can see the sun and the sky um, and the tops of the buildings. And I think that is really encouraging. And hopefully we can take a step back and, and realize that we need to do some of these things, maybe not as drastically as we're doing them right now, but that nature will recover if we give her a chance. Probably what I'm most concerned about, tying in what you said before, would probably be tuition again and such, getting like scholarships, doing well in school, and then eventually uh, whatever career path I'm going to take because I do not know. But I'm a freshman, so I still have several, several years to figure it out. Uh, well, I guess at my age, I worry about staying healthy, <laughs> you yeah. know, to, um, be able to stay healthy and to stay active. Um, and uh, that also is the hope that, uh, you know, I can get back to, I usually do in the summertime uh, jazz concerts and uh, the Meyer Garden concerts and plays and it's like everything's kind of on stop right now so <clears throat> i'm hoping that that comes back well one of the things that i'm concerned about is uh world issues really more than uh personal things at this point and for example fascism is just in this country it's got me very very concerned and the list goes on you know there's there's the uh public uh, uh education there is uh uh, destruction of the environment. You know, just, there's just so many things I'm concerned about in that area. On the other hand, 
it, it's and it's frustrating because of the human potential is just is is so incredible when I think of what what's possible, uh, particularly also in the leadership of women. And uh, there's a wonderful uh, comparison between the the, the uh, president of uh, New Zealand and uh, our president, and it, it just shows you what leadership is, how it can change, and how it's really important. So I, and I think the other thing is diversity. I mean, if we can appreciate the diversity in the world, man, oh man, I think we could just do so many wonderful things. So anyway, that's that's kind of the good and bad. Yeah, and for me, I think I'm probably just most concerned about, obviously everything's changed in the job market, like everyone's worried about it. And so for someone like me who's just entering it and like had opportunities, those opportunities are ending and like I have to find more. and. I think I'm just the most hopeful that people will, you know, this is also the time that we can get creative and create new opportunities. So like maybe this is a good chance to really like work on my Google analytics skills. And like, maybe that's where the job future is at. It's just more online and just being able to, you know, for me watching the industry change. I'm most concerned about my generation um, not necessarily, when I say my generation, I don't mean that people, you know, aren't going to have jobs or anything like that, but my generation's kind of been caught up in that, in that stigma where, you know, they don't want to work. And, you know, I feel like that honestly is true. And I have a lot of friends that, you know, they don't like to work. And then I look at generations of, before us that, you know, they're, they all, you guys work so hard and you guys have worked hard your whole life and it's all, you know. And, you know, that's what scares me is that it's going to get to the point where, you know, we're, there's going to be jobs. There's always going to be jobs, whatever. But I don't want to be a part of a generation that, you know, is known like that. I want to be part of a generation that works hard and they're great people and they help the environment and they gave back to the world. And, you know, they cured cancer or something like that. And I just feel like our generation hasn't been fortunate enough with parents, parenting and and especially like experiences like through internships and stuff like that, because kids have changed so much due to technology that their face-to-face -face communications and, and their, their phone interactions are so much different than how it would be back in the day. And that's what scares me. I feel like we're going to lose communication, even though we're getting more communication assets. I feel like kids are just, they don't know how to talk to people anymore. Like I, I have friends that if, if, I, if they were told to email you guys right now and ask for some kind of help a referral or something, they would not, they'd just say, Hey, give me this, please. Thank you. Nick sent me. And versus saying, you know, hi, good morning. Hi, good afternoon. I hope you guys are all well. All this, like, just the simple things that our generation doesn't have is what scares the heck out of me. Do you have any closing thoughts? It, it's been wonderful um, being in this class, though, having having the chances to talk to um, mentors and um, other other companies, all the interviews we've had throughout the class. I think they've been very helpful and you know, everyone I've connected with throughout this class has has helped me more than I thought. Um, you know, trying trying to get trying to get a job and uh, finishing finishing college. Um, I, I I think uh, with without that, um, I mean, well, with this, I'd be better off um, <laughs> because I'm getting all the help from all the all the teachers, all the mentors. Uh, even even just that um, that meal we had uh, when we were all, when we were meeting with the mentors, I, I think I got like two or three other numbers that um, I've been talking to every once in a while. 
Well, I, I do have one thing. I, I thought the class was extremely interesting and I was very happy to be back in a university setting again um, in a college classroom to see them and to listen to the speakers um, do their thoughtful presentations. And I thought one of the reoccurring themes that came through everybody's speeches was um, to accept opportunity. And you may not know it's an opportunity, but it, if you see one, if you see an, uh, an action in another direction, you know, at least give it a chance. And um, also to make a change if it's necessary, make your own opportunity. But I thought the class was very good and I was really pleased to be able to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, I've certainly enjoyed the process and enjoyed getting to know Tyler. So I, I was really pleased with it. I was going to tell you a little story, though. I um, went, yeah, I've been going for a walk in the woods across from my house. And uh, a few weeks ago, I ran into um, a man in a uh, motorized wheelchair. And he was just stopped in the middle of the sidewalk. And I, I said to him, is there a problem? I mean, has your battery died? Uh, can I help? And he was like, oh, no, I'm just sitting here enjoying the beauty of the day. I was so touched. I thought, savor, appreciate what we have. I guess even the silence was a beautiful thing for him and a beautiful message for me. I just want to uh, wish Macy well, and I think... I have complete confidence in her. Um, I think that you will find a, a job you like, and it you know it may not be this summer, but you know you, you don't in this time you don't stay with a job. People don't stay with jobs that that long. I mean, my dad was with his job for like 35, 40 years, <laughs> the University of Chicago, but. That's not happening, you know, so you, you'll you have many jobs and you'll you'll find your way. And I, I have complete confidence that you will. Great. And that's just kind of, I wanted to thank you for kind of taking the time and helping me see new perspectives. And I hope that you understand that you're a good mentor and you do have things to offer. Uh, and not take your experiences for granted because you, you've done a lot more than I think you realize you've done. And like, I've just been able to kind of hear your experiences and, you know, it's just interesting. And as far as class, I think that we should have the mentors in class more and just maybe let them sit in and like hear more of the opportunities in the, you know, just more a part of it. Cause I think that could be fun to do those activities that we did. You know, it could be fun for them too. Uh, this was really fun. Uh, Colin, you and I got to play golf. We talked about that. So, uh, I don't, you're, you're probably not at work yet at, at Cascade, but uh, yeah, no. Nope. I'll get yeah. you out as soon as I'm looking forward to it. Get a little more normal. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this swing can have some time to practice a little bit before I get out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, look, it's looking bad right now. Yeah. Oh, well, good <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'll take money from you. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to say thank you to all three of you. I mean, I know this has been kind of like a tester class. We're kind of the guinea pigs, but I think it's added some tremendous value, and I hope they really keep going with it, you know, for semesters and years to come. And I, I hope you two are the ones teaching it because it's been – you guys have some really cool connections, and we've done some really cool field trips. And, I mean, 
connecting us with the Ollie mentors and things like that. It's been really awesome. And, you know, thank you to John as well. Cause like, you know, you've given me a lot just from the one time we've been able to meet and even this, this is really cool that you agreed to do and just kind of talking in the back and forth. So thank you to all three of you. This has been awesome. You've got a great future in front of you. Thank you. Our thanks go out to our delightful group of mentors, John Benz, Amber Holst, Dave Campschulte, Sue Miller, Richard Chevalier, Larry Titley, and Karen Waterbury, and to our dedicated students, Nick Brzezinski, Colin DeVries, Kyle Gauthier, Soyla Lang, Lucas Larson, Macy McGowan, Tyler Meyer, and James Swanton. Special thanks to co-instructor Dana Hebriard for also serving as a mentor. There are endless listening options out there. Thank you for tuning into our unique podcasting space. It would mean so much if you would subscribe, rate, and review Generation Swap. You can also visit our website at generationswap.com. Our show is produced by Sean O'Milia. The technical manager is Cassie Benton. The marketing coordinator is Gwen Vogelzang. And our host is Cindy Camp. We're looking forward to swapping intergenerational stories with you again next week.